As a Man Think It by James Allen. This is by far one of my all-time favorite books. Literally is. It's probably in the top three. The book I recommend the most, one of the most recommended books by me. I've personally read over a thousand books and this book never disappoints. It never disappoints. It's a book that I keep coming back to. I read it again and again and again. I read it every month and I highly recommend you do the same as well. One of the greatest books ever written on the power of thought. It's very dense, very concise, only 20, around 20 pages long and was published back in 1903, but it was the earliest, one of the earliest works in the modern self-help movement. And James Allen, he was a British philosopher and he was a pioneer in the modern self-help movement. A lot of the great books like Think and Grow Rich, The Science of Getting Rich, um, Earl Nightingale's work have all come uh, as a result of this book in many ways. So highly recommend this book. This is a book that should be on your shelf. It should be in your phone. It should be in your library. It should be everywhere so that you can literally read it every month. So we're going to cover a lot of great ideas from this book, around eight, seven great ideas. Yeah, eight great ideas, actually. Um, And let's jump right into it. First of all, the effect of thoughts on character. All right, here, I'm going to read out a quote from the book. James Allen says, a man is literally what he thinks, his character being a complete sum of all his thoughts. So what he's saying is your character is a result of your thoughts. That's it. There's nothing else to character. Your character being a complete sum of all your thoughts. We are what we think. Our character is a result of what we think. We ourselves have become everything in our lives because of our thoughts, because of our thinking. Here's another thing he says. Man is made or unmade by himself in the armory of thought. He forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. He also fashions the tools with which he builds for himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace. Every single moment, every single moment, we are being made or unmade by ourselves. Either we are are building these weapons that um, that are destroying us or we're fashioning the tools which are building heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace for ourselves. We're making ourselves or we are breaking ourselves every single moment with our thoughts. There is no middle ground here. Either we're making ourselves or we're breaking ourselves. Another quote from James Allen, he says, Man is the master of thought, the molder of character, and the maker and shaper of condition, environment, and destiny. Yeah, we mold our own character. Man is the master of thought, the molder of character. We mold our own character. Nobody else is responsible for it. You are not a victim of something else. You, your character is not a result of someone else's uh, effects on you. We are molding our own character. And we make our own conditions. We are not at the mercy of the circumstances. As Bill Gates said, you might be born poor and that is okay. But if you die poor, now that is your fault. So man contains within himself that transforming and regenerative agency by which he makes himself what he wills. 
we can make ourselves what we will what we want ourselves to be we can make ourselves what we want we have that transforming and regenerative agency within us that allows us to make ourselves and even break ourselves depends on our thoughts so we are literally the the ones who design our character who are building our character we're molding our character uh, the next big idea is the effect of thoughts on circumstances so here's what James Allen says. He says, Man is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a creative power and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, he then becomes the rightful master of himself. Now, let's let's break the sentence down. Every sentence in this book is so good. I, I've probably highlighted the whole book at some point or other um, as I read the book. But this sentence, the, the early part of the sentence that says, man is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. So as long as we believe that we are a result of the outside conditions, we're going to be buffeted by circumstances. The circumstances will continue to shake us up. The, continue, the circumstances will continue to move uh, us in whatever direction they will us, right? If we, con- if we continue to believe that the outside conditions are creating us, the outside conditions are changing us, well, the circumstances will continue to buffet us. However, when he realizes that he is the creative power, that is the key, and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, he then becomes the rightful master. Only when we realize that I am the power, that I am the commander, I command the hidden soil and seeds of my own being, um, and that's what leads to circumstances. My thoughts, my creative power leads to circumstances, that's when we become the master rather than being buffeted by the circumstances, by being buffeted by the winds, by being buffeted by the uh, waves of the ocean in some ways. When we realize we're the creative power, when we realize we command the hidden soil within, that's when we become the rightful master of ourselves. Circumstances grow out of thought. A man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts and so indirectly yet surely shape his circumstances. Wow. A man, a man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts and so indirectly yet surely shape his circumstances. So we cannot choose our circumstances directly, but because we can choose our thoughts, because we can fashion our thoughts, because we can change our thoughts, we can shape our circumstances. We can define our circumstances. We can surely change our circumstances. Circumstances do not make a man. They reveal him to himself. A lot of the times we believe that our circumstances are what are causing us all the problems and the grief and the challenges and all that stuff. But the truth, as James Allen says, is that circumstances do not make a man. They reveal him to himself. The circumstances are revealing us to ourselves. We we look at our circumstances and we think, ah, this is what I have been given. But what we need to instead understand is when we look at circumstances, we have to realize, ah, this is what I have made for myself because circumstances reveal us to ourselves. 
Now, again, another thing James Allen says, he says, as the master of our thoughts, we are the author and shaper of our environment. As the master of our thoughts, we are the author and shaper of our environment. We are shaping this environment every single moment. We are writing this. We are authoring this environment. We are creating this environment around us every single moment as the master of our own thoughts. Now he says, men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are in, unwilling to improve themselves. They therefore remain bound. Yeah, that's what most people do. They are very anxious to improve everything around them, their environment, their circumstance, but they're unwilling to improve themselves. They're unwilling to change themselves. They're unwilling to go on this journey of trying to become a better version of themselves. And hence, they become, they remain bound. They keep pining for better circumstances. They keep hoping that somehow circumstances will change, but inside, they don't want to change. They don't want to improve. And hence, they remain bound. Our circumstances will not improve unless we decide to improve. Another thing he says, that man is the causer though nearly always is unconsciously of his circumstances and that whilst aiming at a good end, he is continuously frustrating its accomplishment by encouraging thoughts and desires which cannot possibly, possibly harmonize with that end. Such a key distinction here. He's saying that even though we might aim for something, even, we, even though we might have a goal for something good, we are continually sabotaging our accomplishment. We're continually frustrating ourselves by having thoughts and desires which do not harmonize with that end goal. If we have an end goal in mind, but our thoughts and desires do not harmonize with that end goal, we are constantly going to sabotage our whole effort. So we have to realize we can't just uh, have a good goal and uh, hope that it will somehow be accomplished. We have to continually have thoughts and desires which are harmonized with that end goal and only then can we uh, accomplish the goal. And also realize man is the causer of his circumstances. Man is the causer of his circumstances. We are creating our circumstances. Again, a very powerful statement here. While aiming at good end, he is continually frustrating its accomplishment by encouraging thoughts and desires which cannot possibly, possibly harmonize with that end. It is absolutely a bad idea to have a good goal but then have thoughts that do not harmonize with that end goal. That is crucial to understand. All right. So another thing he says, a particular train of thought persisted in, be it good or bad, cannot fail to produce its results on the character and circumstances. So a really simple statement that's explaining the fact that our train of thought, no matter what they are, they will lead to changes in our character and in our circumstances. Every single moment they are doing that. So no matter whether the train of thought is good or bad, if we persist in that train of thought, we will see changes in our character and our circumstances. So that's the idea of circumstances, of the power of thoughts and circumstances. Now let's move on to the next idea, which is on sacrifices. Here's what Alan says. He says, the man who does not shrink from self-crucifixion can never fail to accomplish the object upon which his heart is set. Huh. If we are willing to give it our all, if we are willing to die for the cause, 
that's when we will accomplish the object of our desire. He's saying, if you're willing to die for it, there's no way you will not get the object of your desire. There will no way you will not accomplish. So you have to be willing to die for it. You have to be willing to give it your all in order to accomplish your goal, in order to be able to get what you desire. Then he says, even the man whose sole object is to acquire wealth must be prepared to make great personal sacrifices before he can accomplish his project. Notice the selection of words here. He says, great personal sacrifices, great personal sacrifices. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the world today has got taken over, has been taken over by the four-hour workweek mindset in the sense, I'll just do the bare minimum work and somehow I'll get great results. That's not how the world works. You have to put in a lot of sacrifice before you can accomplish your desires, before you can accomplish the objects of your desire. So we must be prepared to make great personal sacrifices. The book uh, 4-Hour Workweek talks about the idea of building a business where you only work four hours a week for the rest of your life, but it's a very dangerous notion. I highly recommend you stay away from the idea of thinking that you just need to work four hours a week. In order to do something great, you will need to make great personal sacrifices. That is the fundamental law of this universe in some ways. And then Alan says, there can be no progress, no achievement without sacrifice. And a man's worldly success will be the, in the measure that he sacrifices his confused animal thoughts and fixes his mind on the development of his plans and the strengthening of his resolution and self-reliance. And the higher he lifts his thoughts, the more manly, upright, and righteous he becomes. The greater will be his success. The more blessed and enduring will be his achievements. Huh. So what he's saying is success is proportional to the extent to which you can fix your mind on your purpose. So success is proportional to the extent to which you are able to think about the same thing. Think about that big goal, that purpose you have, and just fix your mind on that thing. There's literally no achievement without sacrifice. Success is literally proportional to the sacrificing of all those base desires, those animal instincts, and all those, all those things, uh, examples of which could be watching TV, spending time on the internet, eating junk food, and like millions of other things that we are um, unfortunately allowing ourselves to be subject to all these base desires. So success is proportional to sacrificing of animal thoughts. So there are two keys. We have to sacrifice our animal thoughts and instead we have to fix our mind on our purpose. Those two are crucial in order to accomplish great results. And then he goes on to say, he who would accomplish little must sacrifice little. He who would achieve much must sacrifice much. He who would attain highly must sacrifice greatly. So there's no real uh, gray area here. It's very black and white. If you are going to accomplish little, well, you'll you need to sacrifice a little bit. But if you want to accomplish greatly, you must sacrifice greatly. Your accomplishments are going to be proportional to your sacrifices. How much are you willing to sacrifice? Uh, again, I want to be very clear on this because a lot of the times people are uh, somehow deluded into this notion that somehow success will be easy. Somehow they can build an easy business where they could just make money and all those things. But show me 
any great achievement of entrepreneurship of any kind where the person made no sacrifices at all and still was able to accomplish greatly. Who are we talking about? Are we talking about Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Michael Phelps, Michael Jordan? Who are we going to talk about? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos? Are you going to say any of these guys have made very little sacrifices? No, they've sacrificed greatly. Michael Phelps, in his biography, talks about the the fact that for five years during his practice, he actually only took three days off in all of those five years. That's how much he sacrificed. Bill Gates worked tirelessly for almost 10 years. He said he never took a single day of break for almost 10 years. Elon Musk works 100 hours a day. Warren Buffett has been working tirelessly on his business for the last 50 years or even more. So anyone who says that it's possible to accomplish great results with very little effort or it's possible to accomplish a lot of great things in life with very little effort is seriously mistaken. Accomplishments are proportional to your sacrifices. Every great story is a story of sacrifices. Every great story is a story of um, of of a lot of sacrifices in some ways. Yeah, it is possible to do uh, to live a sort of a balanced life and decide not to make sacrifices in different areas. But if you want to accomplish great results, you must sacrifice greatly. It's a law of the universe. All right, by the way, if you're enjoying these ideas, I highly recommend you get this mind map by going to 2000books.com slash self or just click on the I button in the top right corner of the screen. And the reason why I think this mind map is really useful is because it gives you a very high level overview. You can literally jump into this idea and click through them and then uh, go high level or go uh, really get a bird's eye view of this whole book in in any given moment. You can dig deep into any idea. You can uh, click in, you can click out, and it helps you really uh, get a very visual feel of the book. So I highly recommend you get this mind map. Go to 2000books.com slash self or click on the i button in the top right corner and the description below will also have the link to this mind map. So get it. It's free. (laughs) All right. Okay. So now let's talk about another great idea, which is purpose, the power of thoughts and purpose. Here's what Alan says. He says, until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. Thoughts have to be linked with purpose in order to have accomplishment, in order to have great accomplishment, in order to have intelligent accomplishment, right? Until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. So thoughts are literally being multiplied in some ways by purpose. If you have no purpose, the thoughts are literally useless. There will be no accomplishment. You have to have great purpose and then you have to mix your thoughts with them then you will have great accomplishment. Next, Alan says, aimlessness is a vice and such drifting must not continue for him who would steer clear of catastrophe and destruction. Um, This is so crucial. Aimlessness is a vice and aimlessness should not be taken lightly. Don't take aimlessness lightly because if you do not have an aim in any area of your life, you will see that you are drifting. You are drifting. And look at the words he selected here. He says, And such drifting must not continue for him who would steer clear of catastrophe and destruction. He's saying, if you continue to drift, if you continue to be aimless, it will lead to catastrophe and destruction. 
So the words are pretty stern here. And in the book, Outwitting the Devil Within, Napoleon Hill talks about the same idea that drifting is the biggest reason why, why the devil gets you. Drifting, not having a purpose, being aimless is the biggest reason why we succumbed why we succumb to the devil within. So realize aimlessness is a vice. It will lead to catastrophe and destruction. Okay, the next thing he says, those who have no central purpose fall prey to everything petty. Realize we have to have a central purpose, otherwise we will fall prey all the time. Have a central purpose and that's when you will avoid falling prey to everything, everything petty, everything small. Next, he says, a man should conceive of a legitimate purpose in his heart and set out to accomplish it. He should make this purpose the centralizing point of his thoughts. Yeah, we have to make our purpose the point of our thoughts. We have to make the purpose the central uh, theme of our thoughts. And that's when we will set out to accomplish it. That's when we will be able to accomplish it. We must constantly be reminded of this purpose. We must constantly think of this purpose. Almost like it's a never-ending thing, as Napoleon Hill talks about in the book, Think and Grow Rich, that we can never stop thinking about our purpose. We can never stop thinking about our goal. We can never stop thinking about our desire. It is something that is a price we must pay. We must constantly keep on thinking about that thought, constantly reaffirming that thought, constantly um, retelling ourselves that thing again and again and again and again and again in order to accomplish our goals. Next, Alan says, even if he fails again and again to accomplish his purpose, as he necessarily must until weakness is overcome. The strength of character gained will be the measure of his true success, and this will form a new starting point for future power and triumph. And he says, uh, we will fail in our, uh, in our pursuits. He says, as he necessarily must until weakness is overcome. So we will fail as, uh, until we overcome all our weaknesses. That's part of the pursuit. That's part of our endeavor in some ways. But as a result of this failure, we will gain strength of character. And that is the true measure of success. Because that's using that strength of character, we can go after bigger dreams, bigger purpose, bigger goals. Then he says, to begin to think with purpose is to enter the ranks of those strong ones who make all the conditions serve them, who only recognize failure as one of the pathways to attainment. Wow, this is such an important statement. He says, to begin to think with purpose is to enter the ranks of the strong ones. Just if you begin to think with purpose, now suddenly you are one with those who are the strong ones. You are in the same ranks as the strong ones. To begin to think with purpose, to believe that you have a purpose and to go with it is to enter the ranks of the strong ones. And what do the strong ones do? They make the conditions serve them. The conditions are going to serve you. That's the key. To make to realize you will make the conditions serve you rather than be a victim of the conditions, rather than being at the mercy of those conditions. And not only that, who only recognizes these these strong ones, who only recognize failure as one of the pathways to attainment. Um, failure is the pathway to attainment. Now, again, the whole book, Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday is dedicated to this idea that failure is the pathway to achievement. Obstacle is the way forward in some ways. 
So realize we must have a purpose. The purpose is what puts us in the same rank as the strong ones. And not only that, we as strong ones can make the conditions serve us. What a powerful statement. All right. The next thing he says, thoughts allied to purpose become a creative force. Thoughts allied to purpose become a creative force. Remember, he st- initially, he, early on, he said, until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. Then he says, thoughts allied to purpose become a creative force. So uh, we have to consistently realize that only when we have a purpose do we, will we become a creative force. We need a purpose in order to become a force in this world. Then he goes on to say, the soul attracts that which it secretly harbors, that which it loves, and also that which it fears. It reaches the height of its cherished aspirations. It falls to the level of its unchastened desires, and circumstances are the means by which the soul receives its own. We attract what we secretly harbor. Whether we love it or we hate it, whatever it is that we secretly desire, whatever it is that we secretly think about and we harbor, that's what we're going to continue to attract and bring into our lives. The circumstances that are true in our lives today are a reflection of what we're thinking about all the time. So uh, we cannot be blaming the circumstances because the the circumstances are a result of our thoughts. So realize that we are constantly... We're constantly uh, making our circumstances in some ways. We are attracting what we are secretly harboring, whether we love it or hate it. All right, the next great idea from this book is on dreams and visions. Here's what Alan says. He says, the greatest achievement was at first and for a time, a dream. The oak sleeps in the acorn, the bird waits in the egg, and in the highest vision of the soul, a waking angel stirs. Dreams are the seedlings of realities. Wow. It all starts with a dream. The greatest achievement starts with a dream. Uh, Nobody accomplished great things without any dreams. If you read any biographies of any of the great people of, of the times, you will always see that it all started with a dream. Nobody was given a silver spoon and said, hey, you here you go. You can accomplish this. You don't need a dream. You don't need a purpose. You don't need a vision. Just go and you will figure out a way. That's not the way it works. You have to have a dream. You have to have a vision. You have to have a purpose. As Alan says, the oak sleeps in the acorn. The bird waits in the egg. And in the highest vision of the soul, a waking angel stirs. Dreams are what make our realities. Dreams are the seedlings of realities. So if we're not dreaming big enough, we cannot create the reality that is big enough. Then um, Alan says, dream lofty dreams. And as you dream, so shall you become. You will become what you dream about. Dream and you will become that dream. That is the crucial understanding here. Then he says, your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. Your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. What you will become is the vision that you hold in your mind. Your ideal is the prophecy of what you shall at last unveil. Whatever ideal you hold in your mind, that is a prophecy in some ways. You're living that prophecy. That prophecy will come true and it will unveil itself at last. So the ideal that you're holding is crucial. Then he goes on to say, your circumstances may be uncongenial, but they shall not long remain. So if you but perceive an ideal and strive to reach it. 
you cannot travel within and stand still without. If you strive for an ideal, your circumstances will change. That's the key. If you strive for that ideal, your circumstances will evolve. So crucial, so beautiful what he's saying here. Okay, the next thing he says, whatever your present environment may be, you will fall, remain, or rise with your thoughts, your vision, your ideal. Your thoughts, your vision, and your ideal are what will change. They will change your circumstances. They will change your environment. So realize, whatever it may be, you will rise and uh, with your thoughts, your vision, your ideal. Okay, the next thing he says, and you too, youthful reader, will realize the vision, not the idle wish of your heart, be it base or beautiful, or a mixture of both, for you will always gravitate towards that which you secretly most love. Now, this is a this is a very loaded sentence because the key here is in the parentheses. He says, not the idle wish. He says, again, let me read it out. And you too will realize the vision of your heart, not the idle wish. That's the key, not the idle wish. You will realize the vision not the idle wish. So a lot of the times people complain that, hey, I have this goal, I have this wish, but it's not coming true. Well, it's not coming true because it's not the vision. It's not the ideal. It's not the dream. It's not something you think about all the time. It's just an idle wish. The idle wishes are not supposed to come true. What comes true is a burning purpose, a burning desire. That's what Napoleon Hill talks about in the book, Think and Grow Rich. So you have to understand um, it will come true only when you have something that you truly, truly, truly desire and think about all the time. The, when you're focusing your thoughts on your purpose, that's when it will come true, not just because you have an idle wish. Everyone has an idle wish, but those things don't come true. What really comes true is something with purpose, something that you are truly uh, giving your best for in some ways you're thinking about all the time. Okay, so the next thing he says, you will become as small as your controlling desire and as great as your dominant aspiration. So as small as your basis controlling desire, your animal instincts, but as great as your dominant aspirations. And the key word here is dominant because there a lot of people have a lot of aspirations, but the dominant aspiration is what's going to make or break you. That's the one that's going to truly make who you are. Not all the different idle wishes or aspirations you have, but the dominant aspiration. So whatever your dominant aspiration is, that's how great you will become. So realize you have the opportunity to today to change your dominant aspiration, to change how you think about uh, what you think about all the time, to change uh, the aspirations that are in your mind all the time, and then you will become that person. Again, the keyword is dominant aspirations here. Okay, next thing Alan says, the thoughtless, the ignorant, and the indolent, seeing only the apparent effects of things and not the things themselves, talk of luck, of fortune, and chance. So who are the people who are talking of luck, fortune, and chance? The thoughtless, the ignorant, and the indolent. People who don't understand the laws of nature, people who are uh, rather lazy, they are the ones who are thinking about luck, fortune, and chance. Others, the brave ones, the ones who believe in the power of thought are going and making it happen. The next thing he says, in all human affairs, there are efforts and there are results. And the strength of effort is the measure of the result. Chance is not. 
Strength of effort is the measure of result. Earlier, we talked about the idea that how uh, our sacrifices are a measure of the result. And sacrifices are directly directly proportional to the efforts we're putting in. So the strength of the effort is a measure of the result. Okay, another thing Alan says, the vision that you glorify in your mind, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, this you will build your life by. This you will become. Again, the vision in your mind, the ideal in your heart, the vision, the pictures you painting in your in your mind, the the uh, visualization in your mind all the time, the vision that you glorify in your mind, the vision that you think about the most in your mind, that's what you will become. And not only that, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, the ideal that you have in your heart, this is what you will become. Um, so there's a famous saying, don't just set goals, cast a vision, a vision of what your life, you want your life to become, because that's what it will become. It's not just about the goal. It's about the vision that you're glorifying in your mind every single moment and the ideal that you're enthroning in your heart every single moment. All right, moving on to the next great idea. It is on who we are. And here's what Alan says. He says, men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. This this is almost like a summary of the whole book right here. What Alan is saying is that we are not attracting just what we want, but who we are becoming in this process. Our thoughts are changing our character. Our thoughts are changing our circumstances. Our thoughts are uh, directing our, us, and their thoughts are making who we are, and that, in res- as a result, we are, um, allows us to attract whatever we have become. Okay, so the next big idea, thought factor in achievement. Here's what James Allen says. He says, all that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is the direct result of his own thoughts. There's no mention of circumstances. There's no mention of outside variables or conditions or anything like that. All that a man achieves and he fails to achieve is the direct result of his own thoughts. So this is a very sobering reminder that our thoughts are the core reason for our own achievement. Our thoughts are the core reason for everything that is coming true in our life. Then he goes on to say, as he thinks, so he is. As he continues to think, so he remains. As he continues to think, so he remains. So it's not only the fact that we are cha- our thoughts are creating our achievements, but also as we continue to think the same thoughts, we will continue to stay, uh, to remain in the same position. So we have to consistently challenge our thoughts to think bigger and bigger and bigger in order to accomplish bigger and bigger uh, achievements, to accomplish bigger and bigger goals. Really important, our achievements are a direct result of our own thoughts and nothing more than that. There is, we're not victims of circumstances. We're not victims of conditions. We are victims of our own thoughts. We are either the victims of our own thoughts or we are directing our own thoughts in order to accomplish our greatest goals. By the way, if you're enjoying these ideas, make sure to get this mind map by clicking in the upper right corner on the i button or going to 2000books.com slash self. There's a lot of power in these mind maps because you can refresh these ideas rather quickly. Just look at this whole mind map, a big picture overview of it. You get a two-minute refresh of the whole book without having to even watch this video completely. So get this mind map, all right? And the next idea, the garden and the seeds. 
All right. So here's what Alan says. He says, man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Realize, our mind is like a garden, and we it's our job to properly plant seeds of thought into it, properly plant the right seeds of thought into it. Because if we don't do that, then weed will grow. And here's here's what Alan says, if no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein. Now, these are very crucial words. He's saying if we do not plant that garden with proper seeds, if we do not plant the garden with any seeds that we should have done, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. So if no useful seeds are being put into the garden, if no seeds are being planted into the garden, if no proper thoughts are being planted into your mind, then an abundance of useless thoughts will fall therein and will produce their kind. So if we're not very deliberate, if we're not very intentional about our thoughts, about our aims, about our vision, then we'll continue to have just random weeds of thoughts and that those thoughts will produce their kind. So very powerful, very powerful lesson here. Then he goes on to say, as the plant springs from and could not be without the seed, so every act of a man springs from the hidden seeds of thought and could not have appeared without them. This applies equally to those acts called spontaneous and unpremeditated as to those which are deliberately executed. Ah, every act, every act is a result of our hidden seed, hidden seeds of thoughts. So whether we think of this uh, action as spontaneous or or unpremeditated or deliberate, it is a result of our own thoughts. Realize that. Okay. The next thing he says, thoughts are exactly like seeds. Good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. This is but saying that nothing can come from corn but corn, nothing from nettles but nettles. Men understand this law in the natural world and the and work with it, but few understand it in the mental and moral world though its operation there is just as simple and undeviating. And they, therefore, do not cooperate with it. Again, thoughts are just like seeds. If you plant corn seeds, you will not produce apple, right? It will only produce corn. So whatever the whatever thoughts we're constantly planting in our minds, that's the result we're getting. Our job is to constantly nurture, to constantly be very careful of what thoughts we're planting into our minds because the results will be coming. And the funny thing is we all use this idea in the natural world all the time. We all realize corn will not produce apple, apple will not produce grape. This is not the law of the nature, but we somehow feel find it hard to understand it within ourselves. Our thoughts are exactly like our seed, like seeds, and whatever thoughts we're planting into our minds, the results are coming as a result of it. So then Ellen goes on to say, let a man radically alter his thoughts and he will be astonished at the rapid transformation it will effect in the material conditions of his life. Men imagine that thoughts can be kept secret, but it cannot. 
it rapidly crystallizes into habit and habit solidifies into circumstance. Okay, what he's saying is your thoughts will lead to habits and the habits will lead to circumstances. So it's not that circumstances are just uh, randomly appearing in your life. Your thoughts are creating the habits and the habits are creating the circumstances in your life. You are not a victim of the circumstances. Instead, you are a victim of your own thoughts or maybe if you have great thoughts, then you are creating the life of your dream as a result of your thoughts. So always realize your thoughts will create your habits, which will create your circumstances. Um, Men imagine that thought can be kept secret, but it cannot. It rapidly we think our thought can be uh, our thoughts can be kept secret but they cannot be kept secret our thoughts will um, crystallize into habits which will crystallize into circumstances so there we have it a quick look at uh, as a man think it by james allen by the way you should get a free pdf copy of this book by going to 2000books.com self make sure to read this book every single month. This is a great book, a book that I highly recommend. Uh, Just click right here to get this book and to get this mind map. And also, if you enjoyed this video, make sure to subscribe to our channel. We have a lot of great book summaries like this one, including Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Think It, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and a lot of other great books. So come check out our channel.